Welcome to episode 17 of The Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman. I'm here with my co-host, my captain on this journey, Micah. The opening song was performed by the very talented Madalisa Youth Choir. Hope everyone's enjoying that. I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my travels have been on United Airlines. As a result of flying around the world, I've flown over 2 million miles as a member of their Mileage Plus program. With this, I have earned lifetime platinum status. This year, I set a new goal for myself, and I want to fly 3 million miles, which will earn me 1K status for life. On the show, Mike and I will discuss the passenger experience on my flights, planning and booking of these flights, experience with other travelers, and who knows what else. Our goal is to document the journey as it is the reward. So let's get started. Hi, Micah. Welcome to another episode. Hey, Brian. It's great to be here. But, you know, we need to fill our listeners in. I didn't expect to be here today. What's going on? I didn't expect to be here either. <laughs> when we left our intrepid traveler on his last journey in the last episode, he was on his way to Hawaii, getting ready to pack for three days of four trips back and forth to Hawaii. However, since then, he's been to Tampa, Florida. Brian, what happened? I figured since we have new social media, or at least a rep doing social media for us, and I heard about these things called hashtags, I wanted to create a new hashtag called hashtag surprise mom. And I wanted to surprise mom. So I figured, heck, just show up in Tampa and see mom and surprise the heck out of her. And that's exactly what happened. Well, that was a great idea. And I'm really glad you did that. Although the hashtag could have also been surprise Micah, because for about, oh, three hours before that, there was a great possibility you were coming here to Portland. too. <laughs> yeah, there was. And the reason for this surprise trip is really some bad planning, some bad math. I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. I was so focused on miles. I actually forgot about the dollar requirement for achieving 1K status. Now, this isn't a dollar requirement for lifetime 1K status. It's a dollar requirement for earning 1K status for the year that I'm currently flying in. And as we know, after Hawaii, I'm going to go to Singapore. And I really wanted to have 1K status for, well, I'd like to have it before I go, but I was at a rate of earning miles where I would have 1K status on the flight back. Except I forgot about the dollar requirement. So in addition to flying the 100,000 miles, you also have to spend $13,500 in order to get 1K status. And based on my spend, I would have been $458 or something like that short. So I figured, oh, geez, now I'm going to have to take a quick trip. And yeah, I was considering coming to see you, but sorry, mom won out over you. For good reason, too, because Mrs. Coleman deserves a visit from her son. There's no doubt about that. But we were all set. Basically, you were looking for a $500 trip. And, you know, I was thinking there should be a website for travel like that. Instead of plugging in where you want to go or plugging in dates, you should be able to plug in where you are and how much you want to spend and see where it could take you. I think that would be a lot of fun. Actually, doing it that way would be fun. They kind of have that feature on both the United website and the Google website. So Google has a feature called Explore. And I don't remember what it's called on the United website, but you could actually, it displays a map of the world with the cities that United services, and then you could do a, a dollar slider adjustment. So let's say if you only wanted to spend $500, it would show you the destinations where a $500 airfare is available. 
The problem with that website is it looks two, three weeks in advance. So if you wanted specific dates, it's not good for that where the Google site might be better. But combining both of those ideas, you have a really great idea, I think, for one of these people to come up with something where you can put in exact dates and an exact dollar figure and get those flights. Great idea. I think that would be a lot of fun. So anyway, you took off on a trip from LAX to Tampa on United Airlines. Tell us a little bit about the flights. What time did you go and uh, and what aircraft were you flying? Oh, what time did I go? Unfortunately, my first flight out of Los Angeles left at 6 a.m., which meant I had to get up at 3.30 in order to make it to the airport. So that was brutal. And it was a 6 a.m. flight to San Francisco. Oh, my and were you in business anyway? Fortunately for that segment, I was upgraded, but it was only an hour flight, so it really didn't matter all that much. I mean, sure, I appreciate sitting in first class on that flight, but an hour flight, not so big of a deal. I really wanted to get upgraded on the flight from San Francisco to Tampa, but no such upgrade was available for me. Oh, that's too bad. They had it reversed. It would have been much easier and much more comfortable to sit in back in economy on your way to San Francisco, but boy, that's a long flight to be in economy from San Francisco to Tampa. Yeah, it was. And the good news, bad news, in choosing my seats, I could have been in Economy Plus in a middle seat that reclined, or the only other window seat that was available was in row 15, which is the row right before the emergency exit. Therefore, it didn't recline. I don't know. I just didn't want to be in a middle seat. So I chose the, the non-reclining window seat it was difficult for me to get some sleep because my head kept bobbing forward because the seat didn't recline at all. Normally, that wouldn't be a problem for me because I don't recline my seat, so not that big of an issue. But this time, I really did want to catch some sleep and didn't quite work out. But fortunately, the middle seat was available, and that was great. Nice to have an empty seat next to you. How full was the flight? Was it pretty empty? First class was 100% full, and economy was pretty full. I think there were maybe 10 open seats. And I'm assuming you were on a 737 because United doesn't really fly any wide bodies cross country, or at least not from San Francisco to Florida, I don't think. Correct. The domestic wide body fleet has really diminished recently. So unless if you're on a flight from Los Angeles to Hawaii, they have a 777. You could get some uh, wide body flights on the PS service flights from either San Francisco to Newark or Los Angeles to Newark, but pretty much everything else is going to be a narrow body aircraft. 737, the A319, A320, which I was actually on an A320, yeah, 757. So that's that's the United or the current United fleet. That really surprises me, I've got to say, because uh, the flight from uh, Newark to San Francisco that I took, which was a wide body, it was on a 777, and I know they do do that, but that flight and the distance from the flight uh, on your flight from San Francisco to Tampa is about the same distance as what you would fly if you're flying from Newark to London. And it's always a wide body on that flight. These intercontinental domestic flights are the same length, and but a far lesser service than what you find internationally. And I don't understand why that's done. Well, I think part of the reason is the economy of flying the single aisle aircraft. It's certainly much less expensive for the airline to do that, and they could offer more frequent service. So I think it turns out to actually work out better for the airline to fly a smaller plane more often. And in a way, one could say it's more convenient for the customer as well, because that frequency is there. So instead of only having two or three flights a day on a wide body, you could have 10 flights a day on a 737 or A320. 
And I think that would change if the FAA started charging by the flight as opposed to offering their services for free to the airlines. Because if they had mm. if they had larger aircraft carrying more people going less frequently, it would cost them less. I think that's where the airlines have made a lot of mistakes. And it's why our airports are so overworked and overcrowded, because we have more flights coming in than we necessarily need to with the same amount of passengers as we would have if we had fewer flights and larger aircraft. I see your point. Um, the ground staff could possibly be reduced, but when they're working, they're certainly working a lot more, right? Because offloading a 747 or an A380 takes an awful lot more time than it does a 737. That's true. But then our uh, air traffic controllers would have a lot less work to do as well. Yeah, I can really see both sides of the coin there. And I just don't know what, I just really don't know what the best solution is. I do enjoy the choice of frequency, though, I must say. Oh, it can be handy, but do we really need to have intercontinental service every hour on the hour? I don't know. When I was traveling for business again, it was convenient. That's true. Yeah. Would two hours or three hours difference really matter to me? No, probably not. But it's a convenience thing. And gosh, we just seem to be really spoiled here. And we're a generation now. We definitely are. A former boss of mine used to say the problem with immediate gratification is it's just not fast enough. <laughs> So how was the service on the flight? It was, um, I was going to say it was typical United, but that would have been a negative. No, it was actually reasonable. No one went above and beyond, and no one certainly did the bare minimum. So I have on all three segments, I know we haven't talked about the return yet, but both segments to Tampa, everything was was fine. They did their job. They got me there safely on time. Nothing special, but nothing terrible either. And oddly enough, everyone on board the plane was super well-behaved as well. Didn't have to hear any announcements um, over the PA system about anything and no delays in loading the overhead bins, no, no nothing. It just worked. That's great. And did the flight attendants and uh, pilots acknowledge your, uh, your little gifts? They did. And here's something that I've noticed on domestic flights. I'm not sure if this is a domestic thing or an international thing or what. And it could be just the domestic flight attendants are so busy. So yes, I certainly handed out a gift to everyone. And as I gave it to them, they were very grateful, shocked, and they acknowledged the receipt of the gift, which was which was fantastic. And quite honestly, that's all that I'm looking for is that acknowledgement. However, on all three of my segments, not one of the flight attendants came up to me to say, thank you very much. Or as on the international flights, they tend to do that. And this could very well be because they're so busy on these domestic flights. The flight from San Francisco to Tampa, there were only three flight attendants on board, which I was really surprised. That is very surprising. I wonder how they could get away with that. That must be the minimum force, that 737 configure. No, it was an A320, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an A320. Yeah. So I just don't know how that happened. And same thing, since we haven't talked about already, the flight from Tampa to Los Angeles, I didn't stop anywhere, which was unfortunate because I didn't have any extra miles along the way because I didn't go way far out of my way. I just really wanted to get back and minimize my time with the general public. And I wanted to, to keep myself as safe as possible. On that flight as well, it was uh, A320, and there were only three flight attendants. That is really strange. And with those three flight attendants, on the way back, you said you were upgraded. So you were yeah. up in business class. Domestic first class. Domestic first. So I'm assuming that one of those flight attendants was dedicated to that first class cabin? Correct. And she was working 99% of the time. She was just busy taking care of everyone. 
It just amazes me that there were only two flight attendants for that whole aft cabin. Yeah. Now, fortunately, on the return flight, there weren't that many passengers. In the back, there were maybe 50 passengers. So everyone was really able to spread out. What else was really interesting is most of those additional passengers were on the regular economy section. They were not in economy plus. So I was really surprised to see how they loaded the plane or you could say how the passengers purchased their ticket. Well, sometimes, you know, if they're not frequent flyers and they're not going to be upgraded, they just end up in the back and there are a bunch of empty seats someplace. Yeah. And that's the way it was. But this was the first flight maybe ever that I noticed where it was so noticeable that the economy plus section was really empty and Granted, it wasn't crowded. It was just more densely populated in the rear of the aircraft than it was further up front. Now, for us, as we're recording this, this flight that you're talking about was last night. But one of the things you told me, you were texting me from the plane, is that the uh, the seat next to you was particularly clean. <laughs> yes, it was. During the boarding process at United, they will hand you a sanitizing wipe and... Most people will take the sanitizing wipe and they might wipe down the armrests or their tray table, the buttons for the in-flight entertainment system, and that's about it. The woman sitting next to me had her own package of disinfecting wipes. And not only did she wipe down the armrests, the control surfaces, the tray table in front of her, she wiped down her entire seat, the seat in front of her, the headrest in front of her. I was getting ready to ask her to come over to my house and clean my house. She did such a thorough job cleaning every single nook and cranny. It was just quite entertaining to watch. And the ironic thing to me about all this, if she was indeed concerned about COVID, she wasn't wearing a mask. Oh, gee, that's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And then, and then again, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. After she wiped down everything when she first sat down, when it came time for meal service, she took out her tray table again and wiped down the tray table a second time. And it's not like she just used one wipe. For the second wipe down of everything, she used three wipes. That's a lot. And maybe she's a germaphobe, and, and that very well could be. And again, it's it's fine. She could do whatever she wants to do. It doesn't bother me. I appreciate that she cleaned the plane better than probably the cleaners themselves did. That's fine. But if she was doing it for COVID reasons, again, I just find it hysterical that she wasn't wearing a mask. Well, I do sometimes travel with sanitizing wipes, and mm -hmm. I've been known to wipe down a tray table and, and, and armrests and things like that. And, and I do that because I've seen some bad habits on aircraft. I have seen, oh, yeah. I have seen babies changed on uh, fold-down tables, and you know I really don't want to eat off of that. But then again, yep. when I fly during this time, I'm going to wear a mask because I'm concerned about COVID. And the Two things that she was doing just don't quite fit. Although the other thing is, it was always recommended to uh, to wipe down before this whole COVID thing happened. And maybe she was just following that and never believed in COVID. Who knows? But sounds a little crazy. Exactly. It was it was just fun to watch someone do such a thorough deep cleaning. So that was sort of my my pre departure entertainment. But the flight back was uh, was good. No problems. Yeah. Again, no problems at all. Had an interesting experience, though. Normally, the captain will come on and do a pre-departure PA, and he'll do it from the flight deck. 
this captain was a little bit different and it was kind of funny because it started out his uh, first name is Jack and he referred to himself as Captain Jack. And he says, all right, everyone stop with the jokes right now. I've heard them all. <laughs> and he did the, the flight announcement from where normally the flight attendants do their safety demonstration in first class. So right in front of the galley, you know, right when you board and in that area. And not only did he do an announcement that lasted, I don't know, five to seven minutes, he also had his first officer stand there with him. I thought that was really nice. I could understand why some passengers would probably be irritated because he talked for so long, but he just really did a thorough job welcoming everyone on board, explaining what the flight was going to be like, expectations of people. For example, he said, there's no policy now in United to wear a mask. If you choose to wear one, choose not to wear one. That's a personal choice. That's up to you. He said, however, I expect you not to bother the passenger next to you or anyone else on this flight with your personal beliefs about masks, because if there is a problem, the flight attendants are going to tell me about it, and then you're going to have a problem. And I just thought the way that he addressed that was really good. It, again, some people might take it as being very stern, but I think that he just sort of set the tone of the flight and that's what it was. He was a very matter of fact individual. He dealt with the issue before it arose. Yeah. And when he introduced his first officer, he talked about him being, uh, gosh, now I can't remember if it was an F-14 or an F-15 pilot. He himself um, said that he he had spent 32 years in the uh, U.S. military flying jets. So, you know, he talked about their experience. And the other thing I thought was really funny on his part, he goes, I don't need this job. I fly this job because I want it. Therefore, these things are important to me. We get there safely. If we get there on time, better. If every one of the guests on board this flight are happy, I've done my job. If something's wrong, let me know about it. If I can't fix it in the air, I will do everything possible to fix it on the ground. He just wanted people to communicate with him. And again, he set the tone where he said, you know, it's like, this is what the flight's going to be like. This is what's going to happen. This is what I expect of you. This is what you can expect from me and the other flight attendants. And I thought it was fantastic. That's great. And, you know, you told me about that as you uh, took off and as that was happening. And then, uh, then I heard from you someplace over New Mexico. What happened there? <laughs> well... Part of his pre-departure thing, he was talking about how there was going to be turbulence, and he explained how important it was to wear a seatbelt and how he didn't want to have anyone be a human projectile flying at 600 miles an hour through the air. And we experienced a bit of turbulence over the Florida Panhandle, which, again, he warned us about. And he made a comment as we were experiencing the turbulence. He asked everyone to be seated, and he mentioned, you know, like I said, pre-boarding, you know, Please, everyone, return to your seat and put your seatbelt on. Flight was fine. We go through somewhere, as you informed me, over the New Mexico-Arizona border. And it was probably moderate chop, but I know everyone else on the plane thought it was severe turbulence. He immediately put on the seatbelt sign, and the turbulence pretty much came out of nowhere. People standing definitely got jolted around and were surprised by it. Well, we were all surprised by it. He asked the flight attendants to sit down. And then I've never heard this before. He asked the flight attendants to check in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think he really wanted to know just the status from each of the flight attendants to ensure that not only they were okay, but the rest of the cabin was okay as well. Well, it sounds like it was an interesting flight. 
again, they they got me to where I needed to be on time. We actually arrived nine minutes early, which was really nice. So even with a weather delay, and he talked about how we had to skirt around some weather. Yeah, that was good. We arrived safely, which to me is the most important point ever. Yeah, had an enjoyable time. Oh, one of the other things on the flight, I was so shocked. Normally, airplane food isn't all that good. The meal that I had in first class, it was this chicken and rice dish that I had never had before. And I think it had some, it was either sriracha sauce or some other type of sauce. Not very much of it. So if people don't like spicy food, it wouldn't have been that bad or they could have scraped it off because there wasn't that much. But this by far was one of the best meals I've had on an airplane in probably the past 15 years. It was really good. That sounds great. So let's see, where are we now? What's next for you? I get to fly to Hawaii. So yeah, looking forward to the quick turnaround trip to Hawaii. So it's Hawaii on Tuesday, back from Hawaii on Tuesday, back to, no, back on Wednesday, back to Hawaii again on Wednesday and back home Thursday. Is that it? Nope. Right. So I fly to Hawaii, stay overnight. I pack my snorkeling gear because right next to the hotel, there's this protected area in the ocean where I hope to go snorkeling, have an 11 a.m. flight back to Los Angeles, arrive around 930 at night, will stay overnight in Los Angeles, and then fly back to Hawaii and back again. That's great. Well, you know what? I think it's time to wrap this show up. Then I think we'll come back with all the numbers and all your Hawaii flights and all that information probably for us next weekend when you're back and we can talk about your upcoming trip to Singapore. Yeah. And if anyone has the opportunity to surprise mom, surprise mom. And hopefully we'll get this hashtag surprise mom going. So if people want to contact us, they can always send an email to Brian at the journey is the reward.org. If you're upset by anything we had to say, it's I am really offended at yahoo.com. And of course, you can catch us on social media on Twitter. It's TJIT reward. And Instagram is Brian Global Traveler. And Facebook is at Brian. The journey is the reward. And if you want to catch me directly, you can catch me at, at Mainfly on Twitter. If people want to email me, it's Brian at the journey is the reward.org. And I, of course, CC Maiko on all those emails. So please write in. We love the listener feedback. We would love to hear how you found out about the site and where you are in the world. So please write in and we'll cover feedback on the next episode. That would be great. Brian, it's been a pleasure. And from Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. Oh, that was my toss. <laughs> Wait, oops. Hold on. Um, I missed the, you tossed it to me and I missed the catch. What are they, like the Clorox bleach wipes? What are yeah. they? Okay. I, I, I didn't want to say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let, her own pack of sanitizing the, wipes. Dis disinfectant wipes. Okay. Her own, yeah. Yeah. And I think we might have done it. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I just, I, I thought that. There's a little bit of editing to do. And yeah, hopefully, but depending on what happens the rest of the day, we'll be able to get this done. Super. Boy, that was a good stealth episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Welcome to episode 17 of The Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman. I'm here with my co-host, my captain on this journey, Micah. 
The opening song was performed by the very talented Madalisa Youth Choir. Hope everyone's enjoying that. I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my travels have been on United Airlines. As a result of flying around the world, I have flown over 2 million miles as a member of their Mileage Plus program. With this, I have earned lifetime platinum status. This year, I set a new goal for myself, and I want to fly 3 million miles, which will earn me 1K status for life. On the show, Mike and I will discuss the passenger experience on my flights, planning and booking of these flights, experience with other travelers, and who knows what else. Our goal is to document the journey as it is the reward. So let's get started. Hi, Micah. Welcome to another episode. Hey, Brian. It's great to be here. But, you know, we need to fill our listeners in. I didn't expect to be here today. What's going on? I didn't expect to be here either. (laughs) When we left our intrepid traveler on his last journey in the last episode, he was on his way to Hawaii, getting ready to pack for three days of four trips back and forth to Hawaii. However, since then, he's been to Tampa, Florida. Brian, what happened? I figured since we have new social media, or at least a rep doing social media for us, and I heard about these things called hashtags, I wanted to create a new hashtag called hashtag surprise mom. And I wanted to surprise mom. So I figured, heck, just show up in Tampa and see mom and surprise the heck out of her. And that's exactly what happened. Well, that was a great idea. And I'm really glad you did that. Although the hashtag could have also been surprise Micah, because for about, oh, three hours before that, there was a great possibility you were coming here to Portland, too. (laughs) Yeah, there was. And the reason for this surprise trip is really some bad planning, some bad math. I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. I was so focused on miles. I actually forgot about the dollar requirement for achieving 1K status. Now, this isn't a dollar requirement for lifetime 1K status. It's a dollar requirement for earning 1K status for the year that I'm currently flying in. And as we know, after Hawaii, I'm going to go to Singapore. And I really wanted to have 1K status for, well, I'd like to have it before I go, but I was at a rate of earning miles where I would have 1K status on the flight back. Except I forgot about the dollar requirement. So in addition to flying the 100,000 miles, you also have to spend $13,500 in order to get 1K status. And based on my spend, I would have been $458 or something like that short. So I figured, oh, geez, now I'm going to have to take a quick trip. And yeah, I was considering coming to see you, but sorry, mom won out over you. For good reason, too, because Mrs. Coleman deserves a visit from her son. There's no doubt about that. But we were all set. Basically, you were looking for a $500 trip. And, you know, I was thinking there should be a website for travel like that. Instead of plugging in where you want to go or plugging in dates, you should be able to plug in where you are and how much you want to spend and see where it could take you. I think that would be a lot of fun. Actually, doing it that way would be fun. They kind of have that feature on both the United website and the Google website. So Google has a feature called Explore. And I don't remember what it's called on the United website, but you could actually, it displays a map of the world with the cities that United services, and then you could do a a dollar slider adjustment. So let's say if you only wanted to spend $500, it would show you the destinations where a $500 airfare is available. The problem with that website is it looks two, three weeks in advance. So if you wanted specific dates, it's not good for that where the Google site might be better. But combining both of those ideas, you have a really great idea, I think, for one of these people to come up with something where you can put in exact dates and an exact dollar figure and get those flights. Great idea. I think that would be a lot of fun. 
So anyway, you took off on a trip from LAX to Tampa on United Airlines. Tell us a little bit about the flights. What time did you go and uh, and what aircraft were you flying? Oh, what time did I go? Unfortunately, my first flight out of Los Angeles left at 6 a.m., which meant I had to get up at 3.30 in order to make it to the airport. So that was brutal. And it was a 6 a.m. flight to San Francisco. Oh, my and were you in business anyway? Fortunately for that segment, I was upgraded, but it was only an hour flight, so it really didn't matter all that much. And sure, I appreciate sitting in first class on that flight, but an hour flight, not so big of a deal. I really wanted to get upgraded on the flight from San Francisco to Tampa, but no such upgrade was available for me. Oh, that's too bad. They had it reversed. It would have been much easier and much more comfortable to sit in back in economy on your way to San Francisco. But boy, that's a long flight to be in economy directly from San Francisco to Tampa. Yeah, it was. And the good news, bad news, in choosing my seats, I could have been in Economy Plus in a middle seat that reclined, or the only other window seat that was available was in row 15, which is the row right before the emergency exit. Therefore, it didn't recline. I don't know. I just didn't want to be in a middle seat. So I chose the, the non-reclining window seat it was difficult for me to get some sleep because my head kept bobbing forward because the seat didn't recline at all. Normally, that wouldn't be a problem for me because I don't recline my seat, so not that big of an issue. But this time, I really did want to catch some sleep and didn't quite work out. But fortunately, the middle seat was available, and that was great. Nice to have an empty seat next to you. How full was the flight? Was it pretty empty? First class was 100% full, and economy was pretty full. I think there were maybe 10 open seats. And I'm assuming you were on a 737 because United doesn't really fly any wide bodies cross country, or at least not from San Francisco to Florida, I don't think. Correct. The domestic wide body fleet has really diminished recently. So unless if you're on a flight from Los Angeles to Hawaii, they have a 777. You could get some uh, wide body flights on the PS service flights from either San Francisco to Newark or Los Angeles to Newark. But pretty much everything else is going to be a narrow body aircraft. 737, the A319, A320, which I was actually on an A320. Yeah, 757. So that's that's a United or the current United fleet. That really surprises me, I've got to say, because uh, the flight from uh, Newark to San Francisco that I took, which was a wide body, it was on a 777, and I know they do do that, but that flight and the distance from the flight uh, on your flight from San Francisco to Tampa is about the same distance as what you would fly if you're flying from Newark to London. And it's always a wide body on that flight. These intercontinental domestic flights are the same length, and but a far lesser service than what you find internationally. And I don't understand why that's done. Well, I think part of the reason is the economy of flying the single aisle aircraft. It's certainly much less expensive for the airline to do that. And they could offer more frequent service. So I think it turns out to actually work out better for the airline to fly a smaller plane more often. And in a way, one could say it's more convenient for the customer as well, because that frequency is there. So instead of only having two or three flights a day on a wide body, you could have 10 flights a day on a 737 or A320. 
And I think that would change if the FAA started charging by the flight as opposed to offering their services for free to the airlines. Because if they had mm. if they had larger aircraft carrying more people going less frequently, it would cost them less. I think that's where the airlines have made a lot of mistakes. And it's why our airports are so overworked and overcrowded, because we have more flights coming in than we necessarily need to with the same amount of passengers as we would have if we had fewer flights and larger aircraft. I see your point. Um, the ground staff could possibly be reduced, but when they're working, they're certainly working a lot more, right? Because offloading a 747 or an A380 takes an awful lot more time than it does a 737. That's true. But then our uh, air traffic controllers would have a lot less work to do as well. Yeah, I can really see both sides of the coin there. And I just don't know what, I just really don't know what the best solution is. I do enjoy the choice of frequency, though, I must say. Oh, it can be handy, but do we really need to have intercontinental service every hour on the hour? I don't know. When I was traveling for business again, it was convenient. That's true. Yeah. Would two hours or three hours difference really matter to me? No, probably not. But it's a convenience thing. And gosh, we just seem to be really spoiled here. And we're a generation now. We definitely are. A former boss of mine used to say the problem with immediate gratification is it's just not fast enough. <laughs> so how was the service on the flight? It was, um, I was going to say it was typical United, but that would have been a negative. No, it was actually reasonable. No one went above and beyond, and no one certainly did the bare minimum. So I've, on all three segments, I know we haven't talked about the return yet, but both segments to Tampa, everything was was fine. They did their job. They got me there safely on time. Nothing special, but nothing terrible either. And oddly enough, everyone on board the plane was super well-behaved as well. Didn't have to hear any announcements um, over the PA system about anything and no delays in loading the overhead bins, no, no nothing. It just worked. That's great. And did the flight attendants and uh, pilots acknowledge your, uh, your little gifts? They did. And here's something that I've noticed on domestic flights. I'm not sure if this is a domestic thing or an international thing or what. And it could be just the domestic flight attendants are so busy. So yes, I certainly handed out a gift to everyone. And as I gave it to them, they were very grateful, shocked, and they acknowledged the receipt of the gift, which was which was fantastic. And quite honestly, that's all that I'm looking for is that acknowledgement. However, on all three of my segments, not one of the flight attendants came up to me to say, thank you very much. Or as on the international flights, they tend to do that. And this could very well be because they're so busy on these domestic flights. The flight from San Francisco to Tampa, there were only three flight attendants on board, which I was really surprised. That is very surprising. I wonder how they could get away with that. That must be the minimum force, that 737 configure. No, it was an A320, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an A320. Yeah. So I just don't know how that happened. And same thing, since we haven't talked about already, the flight from Tampa to Los Angeles, I didn't stop anywhere, which was unfortunate because I didn't have any extra miles along the way because I didn't go way far out of my way. I just really wanted to get back and minimize my time with the general public. And I wanted to, to keep myself as safe as possible. On that flight as well, it was uh, A320, and there were only three flight attendants. That is really strange. And with those three flight attendants, on the way back, you said you were upgraded. So you were yeah. up in business class. Domestic first class. Domestic first. So I'm assuming that one of those flight attendants was dedicated to that first class cabin? Correct. And she was working 99% of the time. She was just busy taking care of everyone. 
It just amazes me that there were only two flight attendants for that whole aft cabin. Yeah. Now, fortunately, on the return flight, there weren't that many passengers. In the back, there were maybe 50 passengers. So everyone was really able to spread out. What else was really interesting is most of those additional passengers were on the regular economy section. They were not in economy plus. So I was really surprised to see how they loaded the plane, or you could say how the passengers purchased their ticket. Well, sometimes, you know, if they're not frequent flyers and they're not going to be upgraded, they just end up in the back and there are a bunch of empty seats someplace. Yeah. And that's the way it was. But this was the first flight, maybe ever, that I noticed where it was so noticeable that the Economy Plus section was really empty and Granted, it wasn't crowded. It was just more densely populated in the rear of the aircraft than it was further up front. Now, for us, as we're recording this, this flight that you're talking about was last night. But one of the things you told me, you were texting me from the plane, is that the uh, the seat next to you was particularly clean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. During the boarding process at United, they will hand you a sanitizing wipe and... Most people will take the sanitizing wipe and they might wipe down the armrests or their tray table, the buttons for the in-flight entertainment system, and that's about it. The woman sitting next to me had her own package of disinfecting wipes. And not only did she wipe down the armrests, the control surfaces, the tray table in front of her, she wiped down her entire seat, the seat in front of her, the headrest in front of her, I was getting ready to ask her to come over to my house and clean my house. She did such a thorough job cleaning every single nook and cranny. It was just quite entertaining to watch. And the ironic thing to me about all this, if she was indeed concerned about COVID, she wasn't wearing a mask. Oh, gee, that's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And then, and then again, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. After she wiped down everything when she first sat down, when it came time for meal service, she took out her tray table again and wiped down the tray table a second time. And it's not like she just used one wipe. For the second wipe down of everything, she used three wipes. That's a lot. And maybe she's a germaphobe, and, and that very well could be. And again, it's it's fine. She could do whatever she wants to do. It doesn't bother me. I appreciate that she cleaned the plane better than probably the cleaners themselves did. That's fine. But if she was doing it for COVID reasons, again, I just find it hysterical that she wasn't wearing a mask. Well, I do sometimes travel with sanitizing wipes, and mm -hmm. I've been known to wipe down a tray table and, and, and armrests and things like that. And and I do that because I've seen some bad habits on aircraft. I have seen oh yeah, I've seen babies changed on uh, fold-down tables, and, you know, I really don't want to eat off of that. But then again, yep. when I fly during this time, I'm going to wear a mask because I'm concerned about COVID. And the two things that she was doing just don't quite fit. Although the other thing is it was always recommended to, uh, to wipe down before this whole COVID thing happened. And maybe she was just following that and never believed in COVID who knows, but sounds a little crazy. Exactly. It was, it was just fun to watch someone do such a thorough deep cleaning. So that was sort of my, my pre-departure entertainment. But the flight back was, uh, was good. No problems. Yeah. Again, no problems at all. Had an interesting experience, though. Normally, the captain will come on and do a pre-departure PA, and he'll do it from the flight deck. 
this captain was a little bit different and it was kind of funny because it started out his uh, first name is Jack and he referred to himself as Captain Jack and he says all right everyone stop with the jokes right now I've heard them all <laughs> and he did the the flight announcement from where normally the flight attendants do their safety demonstration in first class so right in front of the galley you know right when you board and in that area. And not only did he do an announcement that lasted, I don't know, five to seven minutes, he also had his first officer stand there with him. I thought that was really nice. I could understand why some passengers would probably be irritated because he talked for so long, but he just really did a thorough job welcoming everyone on board, explaining what the flight was going to be like, expectations of people. For example, he said, there's no policy now in United to wear a mask. If you choose to wear one, choose not to wear one. That's a personal choice. That's up to you. He said, however, I expect you not to bother the passenger next to you or anyone else on this flight with your personal beliefs about masks, because if there is a problem, the flight attendants are going to tell me about it, and then you're going to have a problem. And I just thought the way that he addressed that was really good. It, again, some people might take it as being very stern, but I think that he just sort of set the tone of the flight and that's what it was. He was a very matter of fact individual. He dealt with the issue before it arose. Yeah. And when he introduced his first officer, he talked about him being, uh, gosh, now I can't remember if it was an F-14 or an F-15 pilot. He himself um, said that he had spent 32 years in the uh, U.S. military flying jets. So, you know, he talked about their experience. And the other thing I thought was really funny on his part, he goes, I don't need this job. I fly this job because I want it. Therefore, these things are important to me. We get there safely. If we get there on time, better. If every one of the guests on board this flight are happy, I've done my job. If something's wrong, let me know about it. If I can't fix it in the air, I will do everything possible to fix it on the ground. He just wanted people to communicate with him. And again, he set the tone where he said, you know, it's like, this is what the flight's going to be like. This is what's going to happen. This is what I expect of you. This is what you can expect from me and the other flight attendants. And I thought it was fantastic. That's great. And, you know, you told me about that as you uh, took off and as that was happening. And then, uh, then I heard from you someplace over New Mexico. What happened there? <laughs> well... Part of his pre-departure thing, he was talking about how there was going to be turbulence, and he explained how important it was to wear a seatbelt and how he didn't want to have anyone be a human projectile flying at 600 miles an hour through the air. And we experienced a bit of turbulence over the Florida Panhandle, which, again, he warned us about. And he made a comment as we were experiencing the turbulence. He asked everyone to be seated, and he mentioned, you know, like I said, pre-boarding, you know, Please, everyone, return to your seat and put your seatbelt on. Flight was fine. We go through somewhere, as you informed me, over the New Mexico-Arizona border. And it was probably moderate chop, but I know everyone else on the plane thought it was severe turbulence. He immediately put on the seatbelt sign, and the turbulence pretty much came out of nowhere. People standing definitely got jolted around and were surprised by it. Well, we were all surprised by it. He asked the flight attendants to sit down. And then I've never heard this before. He asked the flight attendants to check in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think he really wanted to know just the status from each of the flight attendants to ensure that not only they were okay, but the rest of the cabin was okay as well. Well, it sounds like it was an interesting flight. 
again, they they got me to where I needed to be on time. We actually arrived nine minutes early, which was really nice. So even with a weather delay, and he talked about how we had to skirt around some weather. Yeah, that was good. We arrived safely, which to me is the most important point ever. Yeah, had an enjoyable time. Oh, one of the other things on the flight, I was so shocked. Normally, airplane food isn't all that good. The meal that I had in first class, it was this chicken and rice dish that I'd never had before. And I think it had some, it was either sriracha sauce or some other type of sauce. Not very much of it. So if people don't like spicy food, it wouldn't have been that bad or they could have scraped it off because there wasn't that much. But this by far was one of the best meals I've had on an airplane in probably the past 15 years. It was really good. That sounds great. So let's see, where are we now? What's next for you? I get to fly to Hawaii. So yeah, looking forward to the quick turnaround trip to Hawaii. So it's Hawaii on Tuesday, back from Hawaii on Tuesday, back to, no, back on Wednesday, back to Hawaii again on Wednesday and back home Thursday. Is that it? Nope. Right. So I fly to Hawaii, stay overnight. I pack my snorkeling gear because right next to the hotel, there's this protected area in the ocean where I hope to go snorkeling, have an 11 a.m. flight back to Los Angeles, arrive around 9.30 at night, will stay overnight in Los Angeles, and then fly back to Hawaii and back again. That's great. Well, you know what? I think it's time to wrap this show up. Then I think we'll come back with all the numbers and all your Hawaii flights and all that information, probably for us, next weekend when you're back and we can talk about your upcoming trip to Singapore. Yeah, and if anyone has the opportunity to surprise mom, surprise mom. And hopefully we'll get this hashtag surprise mom going. So if people want to contact us, they can always send an email to brian at thejourneyistherewarded.org. If you're upset by anything we had to say, it's I am really offended at yahoo.com. And of course, you can catch us on social media. On Twitter, it's TJIT Reward. And Instagram is Brian Global Traveler. And Facebook is at Brian, the journey is the reward. And if you want to catch me directly, you can catch me at, at Mainfly on Twitter. If people want to email me, it's brian at thejourneyistherewarded.org. And I, of course, CC Maiko on all those emails. So please write in. We love the listener feedback. We would love to hear how you found out about the site and where you are in the world. So please write in and we'll cover feedback on the next episode. That would be great. Brian, it's been a pleasure. And from Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. Oh, that was my toss. <laughs> Wait, oops, hold on. Um, I missed the, you tossed it to me and I missed the catch. What are they, like the Clorox bleach wipes? What are yeah. they? Okay. I, I I didn't want to say the, it sent, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let, Her own pack of sanitizing uh, wipes. Dis disinfectant wipes. Okay. Her own, yeah. Yeah. And I think we might've done it. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I just, I, I thought that. There's a little bit of editing to do and yeah, hopefully, but depending on what happens the rest of the day, we'll be able to get this done. Super. Boy, that was a good stealth episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much.